Leader for good. Let's talk mission, meaning and making a difference. In this episode, I'm joined by the lovely Kara Wild, and what first stood out to me was actually her business name, The Sensitive Revolutionary. And when I saw that, I, I was hooked and I really wanted to find out more about what she's doing and her take on the world and how these two words go together, sensitive and revolutionary. So I reached out and asked her to, to be on my podcast, and thankfully she agreed. So now that I've shared my story, how, how I found out about her and her work with you, let me tell you a bit more about her. Now, Kara supports professional women who want to make a difference in the world, but are feeling stalled in their authentic work and who want to reclaim their sole purpose with confidence. She helps healers, coaches, and therapists at any stage of their professional lives who are looking to deepen their spiritual and professional development. She also left her more mainstream work to start her own business. She's a channel. Her favorite mode of transportation are cartwheels, which I love. And she passionately believes that those of us who are considered misfits truly are here to create a new, better way in the world. And isn't that such a lovely message? With all that being said, Let's start. Let's jump right in. Well, my name's Cara Wild. I live in the UK over at Cornwall. And I kind of joke that the land grabbed me and brought me down here because it's mm -hmm. I'm surrounded by stone circles and um Yeah, a lot of things changed when I moved to Cornwall. So um, I live with my two children and I home educate them. Um, and so we're kind of living a, I don't know, a bit of a, a different kind of lifestyle, but not so different to other pe some people. Um, we have challenges and sometimes they're, you know, the same when I lived a more mainstream life. I've got a background as a, a counsellor, so I had quite a wow. traditional Yeah. I had quite a traditional background, but I couldn't find a way of combining that with my connection to the non-physical and to spirit. And so I left that and set up on my own so I could do a combination of the both. So, yeah, I guess I, my life and my work is a combination of like the psychology stuff that I understand and also the spiritual angle that I directly experience. Wow. Uh, yeah. I mean, I can, I can imagine that must be lovely to live in a place that's so, that has such a rich history, rich history. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's a kind of joke that, um, light workers come down here mm -hmm. and the land gets hold of them because it's really granite, like heavy and some heavy stone and some of the land around here as just was never really touched by any of the, you know, Roman invaders. And mm -hmm. so it's like wow. really, you know, quite original Celtic pagan kind of. Um, so yeah, there's lots of tombs and burial chambers and, wow. but it kind of gets your stuff and it just brings up all, 
or I don't know if you can swear on this podcast. Um, <laughs> it kind of brings up all your rubbish, you know, like it's like healers come down here to heal, but they have, you really have to pay attention to your own stuff. Yeah. It's, like, it's like the land won't let you get away with it. You're not being inauthentic here or something. <laughs> yeah. Do you have any practices for connecting with the land? Yeah. So, um, I, huh, they vary depending on what I need. So I cast circles. Um, I also, I don't know if you know what I'm assuming that makes sense. It translates like it's casting circles. So calling in the quarters, um, mm -hmm. of the circles. Um, I also channel, um, sound and light language so sometimes when I'm working with stone circles I speak what I think is kind of like a soul language for me so I speak a language as I'm walking around or sitting in nature and then sometimes like this morning I go out and give get channeled messages every week for my email list so I always walk and like I live on the coast so the ocean's yeah. just down the road Aww. so i know i know i'm really lucky so i i just go and walk in nature and just feel the flowers and just really try and mm -hmm. be present and appreciate the beauty and that is a real connection you know yeah so just being in appreciation of it and being present really mm. unless i'm doing specific spiritual work and then i might do casting of circles Yeah, I mean, it's so interesting for me because I, you know, like I've moved from Europe to the US and can really tell that it's different having a connection to your homeland versus when you live elsewhere. And mm -hmm. so, yeah, when you were talking about uh, the ancient land, I was just like, oh, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think the land we live in, it's, it's really important. And I don't think we often talk about it. Well, it's so different. Like, I really make a joke. Like, people say, you know, you're really grounded, and mm -hmm. I talk to nature spirits, and, they, and that's, like, relatively new. So, I mean, I moved to Cornwall 11 years ago, but before that, I grew up surrounded by tarmac and concrete. I had a park full of tarmac and concrete to walk in. You know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't do nature. It was like, get it off me. Um, and when we first moved down here, we lived in a different part of Cornwall and it was really wild, open moors. Yeah. Um, and I remember the first time I thought, oh, I'll get up the courage and go and explore them. And I parked the car and I'm looking around going, where's the signpost? Like, <laughs> there's no tarmac. There's like, there's no, not even any signpost. And I was terrified. I was so tamed yeah in myself I couldn't trust my instincts of like I you know we lose touch with that I was brought up a real townie so my now I'm in more in touch with my instincts like and, and it's really helped to untame me internally as well connecting yes. with the wild mm -hmm. um but I was terrified <laughs> I used yeah. to leave the car doors open in case I had to run away from wild animals I mean wild animals in the UK you get <laughs> you know <laughs> I was such a wuss <laughs> so it's certainly been a journey you know like now I'm quite comfortable I'm not as daring as other people but I'm quite comfortable in in the wild um yeah but it wasn't always the case yeah so I I think we talked a 
before a bit about how I loved your business name, The Sensitive Revolutionary. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering if there's mm -hmm. like a tie-in with what we talked about so far, nature and land and uh, the wild of that. Yeah, I guess. So, so I'm in the process of kind of introducing that business name. It's kind of been around for about a year. It kind of landed a year ago. <laughs> and it was... It's been, it's kind of like the culmination of, of my own personal journey with my work since I moved down. So it's, I guess for me, living as a sensitive or as a channel or somebody that works with spirit or reads energy first, it's like this world just doesn't make sense sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so in order to experience more joy, I've had to go on a kind of, internal revolution and to live yeah. as a sensitive you have to kind of have your own revolution so I've done like a big change in myself but also you have to learn how to live differently to maybe how you know I don't know how I don't like the word mainstream but that's the best that I can come up <laughs> with so you know it's yeah I think living as a sensitive enjoy in this life feels like an act of revolution and rebellion you know to yeah to kind of flame that does that make sense yeah because um I, I i love that you're talking about the internal revolution you know i think there are different aspects of reality external and internal inner and outer and sometimes we tend to just look for the external and outer Mm. And so revolution always has to be something externally visible. And I love that you mentioned mm. that it can also be something internal in terms of how, how we live our lives or how we see the world and how that by itself also has an impact. So I guess my own journey with that is mm -hmm. if, cause I, if that's all right to, yeah, to please. share. Yeah, um, to hear it. <laughs> so I think I was brought up to chase happiness, but I didn't realize that what, what I was doing. So like a lot of people, you know, I was brought up to believe that it was, you know, because I didn't have, well, I was brought up to believe in the house, you know, you get the house, you get the children, you get the car, you get the career, you get the bank account and all yep. that kind of stuff. <laughs> and if you, if you don't have that, you're kind of worthless. And so mm. I, I tried to have that and I've had different bits at different times in my life and that's never brought me what I now see as joy so I was chasing happiness which kind of led me to live my life from the neck up <laughs> I was fine as long as I didn't have to feel anything I could yeah. just get my head down and work do 60 hours a week be on call you know mm. and be a bit of a martyr and stuff as you know the the counselor that's on call 24 seven working, you know, all that. And, and it, and I just thought I'm not getting anywhere. Like in terms of, in terms of feeling satisfied with my life, I'm not getting anywhere. And that's when I started to realize that there's a difference between chasing happiness and joy. There's a difference between rebellion and revolution. Oh, I'd so, love, what's sort of like the difference? What do you see as a difference? Okay, so this took me a long time. <laughs> long time. So I thought that freedom and rebellion went together. So mm, Yeah, okay. But then it took me a long time to realize that freedom to something is very different from freedom from something. Yeah. And so mm. I, I was the nice girl, the good girl, 
so I was trying to rebel against that Mm -hmm. but they're both the same thing so so whether I'm whether I am rebelling against my conditioning and what I think I'm supposed to be particularly as a woman in this society so if I'm rebelling against or conforming to it's still somebody's idea of me that I'm attached to and my internal revolution was about transcending that and really trying to find out my own authentic way in life my authentic joy that so what I wanted to go towards not what I wanted to rebel against so if I understand that correctly the way you describe it is rebellion is pushing against something and revolution is starting from the inside and it's sort of like authentic not in reaction to external forces is that yeah so yeah yeah, so rebellion is a freedom from something so yeah like that pushing whereas the revolution is like towards you know this is what i really want yeah it's it's a completely different energy it took me ages to understand how to get that um so so i i know you talked about um inner revolution if you look at the world today, do you feel like people are more in rebellion or more in revolution when it comes to like to the more systemic issues? Do you have a sense of that? Um, I think, I think the majority are in rebellion. Yeah. So pushing against something, which is, you know, so and that's my experience. And I go into rebellion, and because right. I tell you, yeah. I tell you sometimes it's 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 easier to feel like you belong to society when you are in rebellion. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not very easy to find people that are in this kind of revolutionary state. Um, And also it's a powerful place to be. There's a real sense of self-righteousness that comes up that can be quite powerful. Yeah. Um, But I don't think it's inherently wrong. And I think it's a step. So if you Mm -hmm. think about, I think we're just at a teenage part of our development when we do that and Mm um so like a teenager needs to rebel before they find their own way I think it's the same kind of thing you need to rebel a bit to kind of push out and push away and then start finding your own way so some people talk about the pre and post state of something so you can Mm -hmm. be kind of for instance pre-revolution where you kind of like just or like we kind of like just gobble up the whole conditioning and conformity and so on and so forth and all the belief systems. And then there would be perhaps like the revolution or rebellion stage. I guess uh, if we use the words that in the way that you define them, it would be like rebellion stage where it's basically just pushing against it and pushing it all away. Yeah. And then what does it look like on the other side? You know, like post conditioning, but it's not the same as before because it's coming from, an internal state but I guess we first need to it's like this whole thing about you need to learn the rules before you can break them yeah yeah I don't know does that make sense at all I, I'm just it does <laughs> it does it does and I'm trying to um it reminds me of I don't know if you've come across the drama triangle oh yeah yes yeah I I, I think it would be so helpful for people to know about that 
Um, so maybe we, we briefly explain what it is. Do, do, do you want to do know? it together? Yeah, <laughs> we have a go at that together. So, so the drama triangle is a way of relating which keeps us relating to each other or to ourselves that keeps in, in what's called this victim consciousness, which mm -hmm. is very different from being victimized. So like mm -hmm. the, leave that on to one side, but the victim consciousness is we either feel so the drama triangle is like literally a triangle in one side there is the victim which is helpless and and poor me and that's um that's where everybody's trying to get to within it they're not then somewhere else there is the superhero or the rescuer which is where a lot of helpers kind of fall into it yeah. but they they kind of they want to help the the victim but they don't take care of themselves so it's still victim consciousness because it's not being empowered to take care of yourself but it's a bit more empowered than being in the victim state and then at the top we have the perpetrator which is the hardest to spot in ourselves mm -hmm. and the perpetrator is um the critic um the one that wants to be in control it could be the self-righteous but it's also part of the pathway out of the drama triangle so that's how i see it so i would see my interpretation of it is that yeah the perpetrator would be like the kind of some of the rebellion stage i don't know does that land with your understanding of that's yeah that's really interesting. um I, I hadn't heard that before so how i often heard heard use um is that victim triangle basically refers to how in situations people swap from one position to the other let's say like in one place we're like the victim and then we're like well i was victimized so it's okay if i'm becoming the perpetrator and uh, as, as you said there's really a difference between this victim consciousness and the drama triangle and being victimized because that happens you know like there's yeah. a lot of unfairness in the world there's a lot of stuff that shouldn't happen so um it's not it's not going against that. Like, I mean, it's really okay to feel um, sad and angry about mm -hmm. stuff that happened that's just not okay. Um, it goes more about how people kind of like are caught in this triangle and they just switch from one person uh, position to the other. Like, so sometimes we're like rescuing the victim. Sometimes we're being the perpetrator thinking we're justified and so on and so forth, but there's like never a stepping outside of that triangle, which is basically all based in victim consciousness mm -hmm. um, versus, I'm not sure what it would look like outside of that, but I think it's more so, everyone's so, taking responsibility for their lives, I guess. And Yeah, um, so my, my understanding is that there is a, that, um, it's a, a spiritual teacher called Jill Edwards, um, mm -hmm who wrote a short pamphlet i can give you some links afterwards as oh, well, yes, wrote a short short pamphlet on the drama triangle which is one of the best descriptions i've come across mm -hmm. but she talks about there being a love triangle is the opposite oh, i love that yes mm. and once you've tasted it you never mm -hmm. want to go back to the drama triangle because the yeah. drama triangle is so normalized in our society so if we just talk a little bit more about about that if that's okay so oh yeah please go ahead i'd love to hear it I, so, so my understanding with the with the drama triangle is yes it can be internalized and we can switch swap places so an example of an internalized drama triangle would be um right i am gonna um let me think 
I'm going to lose some weight. Um, so I'm going to change my diet. And then you have something that's off the list, for example, that you're mm -hmm. not supposed to have. Yeah. So um, the victim, the internal victim would be, oh, I'm so bad at this. I'm, you know, this is, um, this is never going to change. I'm never going to be able to do anything yeah. about this. I'm so hopeless. And these are all exaggerated, obviously. Then mm -hmm. the, the perpetrator would come and say, you stupid idiot. Why did <laughs> you do that? What are you doing? And then the rescuer will come in and say, oh, it doesn't matter. You've had a hard day. You can start again. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the inter internal soap opera. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. More fun, that's more fun from the outside than when you're in it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the way to get out of it, I think the best phrase that I've come around that is compassionate boundaries. Mm. Yeah. So we still want to, you know, we want to. Compassionate is very different from the nice bit of the rescuer. The rescuer mm -hmm. tends to be nice and it's okay, yeah. it don't matter. Whereas compassion is like this is really important but you're having a challenging moment right now and that's okay, but this is important to you. Um, and then the boundaries bit comes in as the taking responsibility that you mentioned. Um, and yeah, so I would see compassionate boundaries as the way out of that. Yeah. Um, and the grace that you spoke to, you know, when we were setting the intentions for the call and that's where all that lives. That's mm -hmm. the love yeah. yeah so so the love triangle um if i remember rightly from what jill edwards said as well so the it's the divine masculine and no, hold on let me just get this right that's it sorry so the rescuer would be like the archetypal um like mother um and that like the compassion mm -hmm. the perpetrator would be boundaries the kind of what's associated with the masculine so it's like where the boundaries are and the mm -hmm. the action and and going for it and yeah and then the, the the rescue would be compassionate and then the victim would be like the magical child the you know oh. the the like oh and the dreams and the trust yeah. and the you know trusting in the magic and trusting in the perfect moment and trusting your instincts so I have just done a really bad description of the love triangle, but that, yeah, that's the best I can do. That's really, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. Um, so I've written something about um, conditional and unconditional love and how we need both. Yeah. And it sounds like to me that what you described as sort of like this divine masculine would be the conditional love where it's like, um, yeah, how can we make this situation better? You know, because in, in the example that you gave, well, perhaps eating ice cream all day is not that ideal, you know? <laughs> perhaps yeah. it would be better for yourself and especially for your future self not to do that. Mm. Um, but if we only have the conditional love, there's so much conditional love in our society without unconditional love, it goes into sort of like this criticism. Versus mm -hmm. if we bring the two together, the unconditional love is, yeah, like, you know, it's perfect how it is. You're perfect how you are. And how can we make it better? You know, like, yeah. what's sort of, where's sort of like the growth potential? Because one without the other, you, it's either, there's either like almost a lack of compassion or there's a lack of growth. And I think we need both compassion and growth personally. It gets, you yeah. know, like boring yeah. without growth. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah and that the, there's no there's no expansion that's kind of yeah that's what we're here for yeah that's what other, otherwise for me it is just rescuing yeah mm. and that's my go-to we all have a one that we hang out at I, you know yeah. that we we tend to that's mine my the rescuing. rescuer mm. yeah mm. yeah yeah. Hmm. And then, yeah. Go ahead, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was thinking. So we have an internal one, but we also can get caught up in drama triangles in relationships. So, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You no. Know, so, so I guess. So if you're, this is why the perpetrator is kind of like the way out. But like, mm -hmm. I need to qualify the way that I've described that because I've not described it very well. But if you're caught up, say, caught up, say, with your family or with some friends, where you're used to being the rescuer so, or, and it keeps them in victim. You know, mm -hmm. they can get angry back because they realize they're being kept in victim. That's where that kind of like a rescuer would want to give unsolicited advice, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, <laughs> and then the victim can get angry and not really realize why. But if say you've been brought up in a family where the drama triangle is kind of normal, mm -hmm. which was you know, my experience, then if you decide everyone's to, experience to some extent right yeah <laughs> yeah it's just so normal you know it's on our television screens all the time it's considered normal but if you're going to leave the others will have to see you as the perpetrator or the bad guy in order to leave because you'll have broken some unsaid rules some agreements oh. that keep everybody yeah in it keeps everybody and it only takes one person Mm -hmm. out of a relationship of two or more it only takes one person to stop the drama and it all that particular drama triangle has to end yeah. but you will have to be seen as a bad guy for a while at least yeah does that make sense yeah I really like that um how because for instance if I'm thinking of communities or groups and some stuff is not working and then you know like somebody speaks up so unfortunately, I'm often the person, you know, like I somehow have sort of like this archetype of, okay, nobody's saying it, so I need to say it, which yeah. is not very comfortable. And <laughs> I often wish somebody else would have that role. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's, it, it's true, like, you know, when, when we're doing that, we're being seen as sort of like the bad guy because we're breaking the unspoken rules of the group. And... Yeah, but 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 I but I think it depends on how willing the group is to move along with it or not. Mm -hmm. um, so so what what I often find is when people really start to change their lives, that it can create a lot of challenges in relationship, mm -hmm. and that the relationships that last are the ones that are the strongest. Um, whereas like some that per perhaps weren't so strong, they just fall away because we kind of like have moved too far away from where we were when we formed those relationships. Yeah. Does, does yeah. that make sense? Do you, do you know what yeah. I'm It's like you were saying about growth. So everybody has to be willing to grow because yeah. that, that's what this will call for. And mm -hmm. that, that bad guy moment might only last for five minutes or, yeah. you know, or, or, or whatever, or it could, you know, last a long time and like you say that relationship kind of is over because it can't be transformed for whatever reason yeah and and i think that's fine you know like um mm -hmm. i think there's often so much grieving involved in that and i think it's also natural for relationships to change mm -hmm. and i sometimes see it as sort of like almost like a litmus test where 
um, the people who are with us afterwards are the ones where we have a really strong connection and where our love is strong enough to help them through the discomfort of, well, you're so different, you've changed. Mm. You know, I don't recognize you anymore. And then the willingness to, oh, who are you now, really? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. I, you know, it can, be, it can be complicated and so easy to fall, like so easy to fall back into. But I think as, as well, I'm sure you've experienced this, but once you've experienced relationships that are, you know, there's a willingness to be vulnerable. There's a willingness to um, look at your stuff without, yeah. you know, drowning yeah. in it kind of thing. Yeah. But like mm-hmm. what you were talking about earlier about, you know, the victimization piece, but the whole like love triangle or the idea of joy, there's, it's not the absence of grief. It's not the absence of sadness. It's like, it's the inclusion of everything. So I think for a love triangle to work or that kind of relationship to work, there has to be a willingness to include everything, but also own it and be responsible <laughs> for it. Right. That's the bit that I'm working on. So, <laughs> <laughs> so. What revolution do you think is most important, most necessary in the world today? Wow, that is such a good question. <laughs> so curious to hear your answer. <laughs> oh, wow. I would say what's coming up for me is an internal one about how you want to relate to the world. And so a, an internal revolution of how you are defining what a meaningful successful life is because I think if people I think if people start to ask that question and start to get really demanding on experiencing like words like satisfaction meaning yeah um nourishing Mm-hmm. those kind of words help us to tap into our kind of like authentic nature and I have got a real trust in people's authentic nature I actually think that every single part of us is a piece of a blueprint a puzzle you know this blueprint mm-hmm. that divine intelligence has got in mind and if we use our joy for our like our navigation through the world that I think will help dismantle all the other stuff that keeps us trapped in the chasing happiness the status through success you know hard work through earning your worth through hard work and all that kind of external constructs that help keep things like patriarchy and capitalism and racism Mm -hmm. and all that all of that in place I think it's got to be that internal revolution first so the whole changing yourself before you change the world or change the world by changing yourself yeah and Mm. um and and i think you know asking very specific questions about that and stop my i think it's just my biggest aha and i think you can only teach what you've experienced yourself really my my biggest moment was just when i stop chasing external benchmarks and actually just got really curious about my relationship to joy what joy means to me Mm -hmm. what a meaningful and satisfaction 
satisfying life would look like and you know because I'm not when I'm connected to those kind of feelings I care less about approval than what other people think right because you don't kind of like almost don't need it right you got yeah yeah and and I don't have to prove anything to anybody in the same way um because I'm on my own journey with my own life and my own relationship to it so I have a bit of a different question because mm-hmm. I know we also talked a little bit about leadership. So I'm kind of like wondering what, how you would define leadership today. Mm, I think I am just really learning what leadership is. Yeah. Um, what would I define leadership today? <sighs> some way of working in partnerships with other people mm-hmm. of learning to meet other people in their own lived experience rather than listening to theories that have been around about how the world is or um i had this conversation with somebody the other day who was relying really on theories that he's read about or been or discussed mm. or been taught anybody wasn't listening to people's lived experiences so we happen yeah. to be talking about oppressive structure um and he was very set in no it's this way and it's all what he'd been taught what's come before but the people that are in those circumstances are saying something completely different <laughs> yeah. and it's like yeah. we, need, we need to listen to each other's lived experience and i don't understand it properly but there's something between leadership and that that Mm -hmm. those two things come together for me when i think about leadership so kind of understanding what's really happening um before taking action or proposing a path forward as opposed to kind of like just living in your head and just regurgitating theory after theory yeah Um, yeah and and lived it so so listening to other people's lived experience and only leading from your own lived experience like not you like walk your talk and sounds almost like authenticity like um yeah from your so so some version of authentic leadership perhaps yeah yeah that that would be well so what's your because i think you're involved in leadership a lot more than me what would your I actually think leadership is I mean I think there are so many different definitions of leadership and it all depends on the perspective and the context we talk about so like leadership um 10,000 years ago was very different than it would be today than it will be in the future. Uh, so right. I think there's sort of like this whole evolution of leadership where at some point it was, well, who's the strongest person? And of course they're going to be the leader or him, um, you know, like realistic. Yes. yes. And um, then at some point you have the monarchs and suddenly it's like this divine right of Kings. And um, it's a lot more about position and status and so on and so forth. So, leadership in that time was very different from how we would perhaps define it today it was just like one level of leadership and then suddenly you have the meritocracy and the modern definitions of leadership where it's like well who can get the job done it doesn't matter 
what your gender is. It doesn't matter what your um, race is, as long as you can get the job done. And then we have democracy and sort of suddenly like leadership as well, whoever can get, you know, the people behind, behind him right. or them. And, um, and I think then like in the postmodern version, it's sort of like, oh, we don't really need leadership or let's like all decide, which sometimes work and sometimes doesn't work at all. Because mm. you know, like then nobody's sort of like taking charge. Um, so what, what, what I think I like the most is um, leadership that's contextual. So basically like the best person to do something in a certain situation should take, take charge. Okay. And that can be based on skills and sometimes maybe based on other things. Like, you know, if we're stranded on, on an island, I would probably want the person with the most survival sk skills um, to, to take, take charge. Um, so I, the way I see it is often quite flexible. And um, that's so, so, yeah. And, and I think on a broader level, I think leadership can also be a lot about impact. So one way to understand leadership is, um, I guess, leading people, but often how that's understood is really more like managing people. And I think there's a huge difference between a manager and a leader. So it's yeah. actually going a bit on a rant about, well, is somebody who's just maintaining the status quo really a leader? Is that leadership or is that just maintainship? Mm -hmm. So, so I think there may actually be an inherent connection between leadership and revolutionary energies. Because mm -hmm. you can't really lead where you already are. Like you can't lead towards the status quo. Like leading always has to be, go somewhere else. And yeah. I think, and of course I'm biased because I like revolutionaries and so on and so forth. But you know, like my, my <laughs> I would assume that it takes some of that revolutionary edge to, to be a, to be a real leader and not just somebody who's in a leadership position. Yes. Yes. And, so um, want to make a difference, want to, yeah. Want to. So, so I know we were, we were comparing branding notes earlier, weren't we? So I'm, um, yeah. I'm, um, so, um, sorry. How about I briefly explain what that is yeah. uh, before yeah. we go into it. So there's a really awesome quiz. Um, that I can also link to. And it's really about branding archetypes. And um, this is to some extent based on Jung's idea of archetypes. And mm -hmm. with this quiz, you get your primary archetype and then there's a way you can also find out your secondary. And what's so interesting is that we found out that we actually have the same two primary archetypes except in reverse order. So yeah, with that introduction. Yeah, yes, thank you. So, so my first is alchemist and my mm -hmm. second is revolutionary. And this is what made a difference in my business because before I had the revolutionary, but I wasn't mm -hmm. in touch with my alchemist. So I was a union rep. I used to go on picket lines. I would um, support people's rights. I would, yeah. um, I worked in the HIV projects and, you know, I was like, this really is not okay. And you need to be paying attention. <laughs> um, so I would like fight, fight as this revolutionary, yeah. but I didn't have any kind of transformative skills necessarily. Mm -hmm. And then I went into like the, the spiritual field and I was working and giving channeled sessions and readings and things like that. And so my alchemist was really there, you know, when you go up into yeah. this really wide potential, 
that they mm -hmm. speak from, the non-physical speak from, it's all alchemy, but it felt empty. And it wasn't, <laughs> it was like, yeah, <laughs> that's not enough. And it, it took me ages to figure out that I needed that revolutionary kind mm -hmm. of energy to go with the alchemist because I want to make a difference here. Yeah. You know, like I want to take like that some abstract spiritual play in that, you know, like just, no. yeah. yeah. And there's room for that. Like some people will hang out there and they bring through really good spiritual solid teachings. I think there's real room for that, but that's just not where I land because yeah. I like, but I'm living in physical reality. I want it to make a difference to my life now. And I want to mm -hmm. make a difference to the world that I live in. Like that's yeah. what makes me energized. Yeah. I think it's so interesting that you describe this bouncing back and forth. So for me, my primary archetype is revolutionary and my secondary is alchemist. And I can definitely mm -hmm. see how I've bounced between the two as well. And then when I started my business, I was all alchemist. And so alchemist is sort of like this healer type where basically want to make everything whole. You sort of like see the wisdom in every situation. It's, yeah. it's very lovely. Um, and sometimes, you know, if, I, I think if we don't bring in other archetypes, it can also um, lead us to spiritual bypassing. Like, oh, mm -hmm. it's not really bad. Like, ultimately, it's all good. Yeah, that's, that may be true. But, you know, like in the real world or in the human world, um, you know, we still have people being tortured. We have, like, growing income inequality. We have, like, people starving to death, even though we have more than enough to feed everyone. We have, like all this stuff that's happening and it may be okay on the spiritual plane, but on the human plane, it isn't. And sort of like living with that paradox of, yeah, it's perfect and it's not, and um, yeah. not going crazy. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I can so relate to this bouncing back and forth and I had like different versions of my website. One where it was sort of like all, um, kind of like all the alchemist and the healer. And then Uh, once I took the branding quiz and I'm like, oh, I'm a revolutionary. And then suddenly it was all like black and red letters. He's like, oh my God, it feels like I'm looking at like some um, activist website, you know? <laughs> and I think like I'm now bringing them together and it feels really good. It feels very like true to myself. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. I can recognize that. And I think like the, um, you know, the sensitive part for me as well was um was like allowing my gentleness mm. um and seeing that that is powerful and so you know when you were talking about your definition of leadership i think you articulated what i was trying to say really well and a lot better but it's like for me the the leader has got to be off the drama triangle so yes. yeah. you know Uh, sensitive males you know all all that lovely stuff um but uh, yeah so a, a leader needs to be in that compassionate boundary sense but also I loved what you said about if you were on a you know if you were on an island you'd want somebody that got a skill set or or knowledge and it's just it, that's appropriate for the situation and I think it's like yeah. we're living we're we can all be leaders if we see leaders as people that are have done the work that own their stuff their internal stuff and they want to share their skills their passions and their energies collectively to make 
this shift that we're wanting to see in the world you know it's like we're all pillars of light and we just got to do the work to to be in touch with our own pillars of light and this might sound really naive but i think if we all gave our passions and our joys and our skills that is what's going to transform that's what's going to lead to transformation it's yeah. like we we've all got a part to play in that i don't think there are i think leaders are changing or my idea of a leader is changing yeah. to just the skill set that's available at the time i like that i think yeah i mean i think another thing that i'm thinking about in terms of leadership is that as such it's neutral like it's not good or bad it's sort of like what you use it for so yeah there are some people who are really good at having an impact they just had an impact for really really bad stuff um so i think it's not only important to be in our leadership but also to direct ourselves towards like north mm -hmm. um i don't know does that make sense at all like, um, so i think I, th i think is that um when you say north is that like in um i mean like towards something good something that's helpful for for people and yeah um yeah and i i have a belief that if people are in touch with their true nature that's where it'll yeah that's where it'll be but getting there is like not easy <laughs> and staying there is not easy <laughs> so, like you can't you can't teach that on a podcasting you know no <laughs> <can't> no <you? laughs> like, <laughs> that's true it's like yeah we're all work works in progress and uh, mm. Yeah, throughout our whole life. Um, yeah, so is there anything that you're currently working on that you're really excited about? Like what would projects that you have coming up? I mean, you also mentioned that you are changing your business name. What was your business name before? If you it was just kind of under, well, it's been a few. I, I started off as Wild Bliss, mm -hmm. um, which was like the seeds of where I am now, I guess, wild bliss and like the our untamed nature. So I am just in the in in the process of of kind of changing that over on my business to sensitive revolutionary. And I'm just really at the moment I'm really excited in working with um healers and um skilled helpers and coaches like that are spiritual and want to make a difference in the world but they're kind of feeling stalled in their purpose or their authentic work they're kind of they've probably got an idea of what it is you know they've had that <gasps> aha moment but then all that who am i you know oh, yeah. i've got nothing to add i'm i've just been working with a client deconstructing that i'm not good enough belief but um i'm i've my strength is working with healers and guides and helping them to bring their purpose and to live their purpose with the you know like clarity and confidence so that's like my mentorships that's where my energy is going at the moment that's what's really exciting awesome yeah and i think it's so interesting to kind of like shift business names and i'd be mm -hmm. so curious to hear how that's going for you you know if, if if your business suddenly feels very differently if different people show up and because I yeah. imagine it's also this disorienting, kind of like moving houses, right? Yeah. So, and, and every time, I don't know about you, but every time I, I've been in like the online business world for about seven years. And so this is my third shift, I think, really. Um, and each time it's come as, um, like this landed last year, 
-hmm. And I kind of put it out there and then brought it back in. Mm -hmm. And so I've been trying to make sense of it, but I've had to work through another layer of food. You think you are, you know, this has all been said before. And like, it's just, it comes up at each time. (laughs) Not like this, right? You were, sorry? Um, um, Yes, it has been all said before, but not the way you say it. So it's not, yeah, and it's not yeah. paying attention to those those voices that, you know, come yeah. up again and again. But I think, yeah, my, it will be interesting because I can feel I'm really energized about it and passionate yeah. about it. I've got lots of things to say, whereas before it was kind of like, yeah, this is nice, but you can kind of get a sense that something else is coming, something new is coming, can't you, when you go through these yeah. shifts. Yeah. I mean- yeah, I'm, I, I know what you're referring to in terms of shift with names and then also focus. So, um, you mm. know, before it was your like, work you love coaching, now I'm slowly shifting that to leader for good. And it's a bit similar maybe to your process. Yeah. Where I can feel it coming in and the new really energizes me. And it doesn't mean that I'm not doing the work that I did before. Mm-hmm. It just means that it has sort of like a bit of a different focus perhaps. Yeah. And I think like a final piece that I want to leave people with as well is like, um, I'm sure that there are many people listening that are like me, that the energy lands first. Sometimes it's called a download, although that's got a bit of a bad rep for that name. But like the, I can feel the energy. I'm like, this is new. What's this? But then (laughs) like, yeah, what's this? I remember the moment this happened to me and I was going for a walk and I just thought, whoa something new has landed and then it's taken a year for it to unfold in me and for me to digest it and work at it at a mental level but then to like really embody it and to feel it and to know it and now I feel ready to kind of like start connecting with other people around it because I've really worked with it but if you're listening and you've had your aha or, you know, six months ago and you're still like, well, I still can't make sense of it. I think that's part of the process is the living of it. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I, I love what you're saying about you kind of get, it's almost like a computer download, but then it takes you a while to unzip all the files and go through them. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. a really good description. Yeah. 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 So where can people find out more about what you do? So my website is um, on carawild.com mm-hmm. um, and you can find me on there. I have also got a free Facebook group as well where we go deeper into like some of the channeled messages that I bring through on a weekly basis. Um, so they're the places that's best to find me. Okay, and I'll and also include that in the show notes. Yeah, and I was going to, um, it really just landed with me to, offer a free thing to your listeners that it's called the new identity I don't know whether you'll think it's appropriate or not but it's a channeled process for when somebody feels like there's something new that's ready to come in and it just takes them through this really easy process of just lightly asking yourself questions of what's next for you what do you want and some people have used it and it's like they wanted a new business and some people have used it and it's like oh i really want to pass my driving test that's my yeah. new identity piece it could be really big or really small and i just wondered if that would be helpful oh, to yeah sure yeah right i'll we'll share the links yeah 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 cool. Thank you so much. I mean, this was so interesting. We 
covered so many different things, you know, like drama triangle, land, nature, rebellion versus revolution, leadership, um, what's new, how to, you know, react when something new comes up. So I just really wanted to thank you for taking the time and... No, thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed the conversation. For more episodes of the Leader for Good podcast, go to leaderforgood.com forward slash podcast. See you in the next episode.